Hello, and welcome to the Well-Spoken Podcast, where transformational leaders explore the mindsets, motivations, and methodologies of impact-driven businesses. I am your host, Dr. Delray Messer, doctor of chiropractic, social impact entrepreneur, mom of two, and a go-giver, empowering you through the stories of leaders who dare to challenge the status quo and collaborate to co-create an equitable and sustainable future together. Welcome to episode eight of the Well-Spoken Podcast. What kind of impact do you want your investments to have in the world? And how do your personal values align with your investment choices? Our guest today, Janine Firpo, is a seasoned values-aligned investor and social innovator with a long history of working at the intersection of women and their money. From the early years of Apple Computer to senior positions with Hewitt Packard, the World Bank, and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Janine has always found herself making an impact. In 2017, she left a successful 35-year career in technology and international development to focus on how women can create a more just and equitable society through their financial investments. Her book, Activate Your Money, Invest to Grow Your Wealth and Build a Better World, was a collaborative effort that involved almost 150 women and a few men and was published in May 2021 by Wiley. Later that year, Janine co-founded Invest for Better, a nonprofit organization that helps women invest their money in ways that align with their values. Janine, most importantly, walks her talk. She is taking action to move all her own assets into investments she feels good about and watching them grow with market rate returns. Hello, everyone. So excited to introduce you to a woman that I've had the opportunity to get to know intimately. And I can't wait to share not only her book with you, it has been absolutely life-changing and impactful for me as a woman and as a mom of two girls to really own a lot of the limiting beliefs that I had around wealth consciousness, financial literacy. I have taken her course. I absolutely love it. And I'm very excited for you to meet Janine. She is the author of a book called Activate Your Money. So welcome, Janine, to the Well Spoken Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely a delight. And I so appreciate you and, and support you've given to our work. Thank you. Absolutely. So what inspired you to write your book? Well, I've been an investor for over 30 years now, and about 10 or 15 years ago, I realized that I wanted to invest all of my money in ways that actually support the world I want to see. And I had a number of financial advisors to help me with that. None of them actually got me where I wanted to end up. And so when I retired about five years ago, I took some of my assets back, started doing this myself. And realized we'd reached a point where anyone could do it and where over 85% of women and 95 of millennials want to invest in ways that are meaningful, but no one was helping them. And no one was helping women in general understand investing or build confidence as investors. And so I decided it was time to change that. So I wrote this book specifically for women, and it teaches them both the basics of investing as well as how to invest in ways that matter to them. Powerful. Can you share with us any life experiences that shaped your passion for this topic, either personally or professionally? Sure. So I started out my career actually in 1981 in the tech industry in the Silicon Valley before there were personal computers. There was such a time. 
and um, was having a great career. And then about 15 years into it, I took off for several months and I backpacked solo through sub-Saharan Africa. And while I was there, I saw poverty like I'd never seen it before. And I decided that I wanted to find a way to put my life's work to addressing that poverty. And it took me about a year to figure it out, but I ultimately crafted a second career that looked at the role that technology and business thinking could play in solving really extreme poverty all around the world. So I made these huge changes in my career. I took pay cuts. I was doing work with my life that mattered. And I realized that my money was actually in opposition to the things I was doing. I was investing in the very things that were creating the problems I was trying to solve. So I made a commitment over 15 years ago to figure out how to invest all of my money, every dollar, starting with my cash, in the world I wanted to see. That's powerful. Another name for that is values-aligned investing, impact investing. These are concepts that now I believe a lot of women are very passionate about. We'll talk about some of the statistics behind these decisions. And I, you know, I think for me, when I first started to invest, I even asked myself, do you, is this for you? Is this a path you can even do? It felt like I was in a financially challenging place for so long that I lacked the confidence to even know where to go to start. And that's why I loved your course. It broke it down into the basics of first understanding who you are your values and understanding the world that you desire to see, natural disaster relief work, traveling, being a global citizen, exposure to other cultures. All of these are themes within every podcast interview that I have had, including with you. And I believe it just starts to shape our perspective of the power that we do have in our choice and that the dollars that we spend are truly a vote for the world that we desire to see. In fact, studies have shown that women tend to invest less than men, and there is a significant gender gap in investing. According to a 2020 survey by Elva, 61% of women compared to 74% of men report having investments, indicating a disparity in investment participation between genders. So what are the key principles or strategies you advocate for in your book for individuals looking to improve their investment strategies? Well, what you bring up about the difference between men and women is really, really valid. And the, the thing to remember is not only do we earn less than men and do we um, invest less than men, but we also have shorter work periods and longer lifespans. So the end result is that we have less money to invest for a longer period of time. So I think the most important strategy is just start. Start now. If you're young, get started right away. Your money is going to compound over time. I read something recently that suggested if a woman started investing when she was 20 and did that every month for 10 years, she and then stopped, she would have more money when she was ready to retire than a woman who started investing the same amount every month when she was 30 and invested for 30 years. So start young. And if you're older and you just haven't done this yet, it's not too late. Start. So that, I think, is the first and most important thing. The other thing I think that's really important is take responsibility. Don't just put this off onto some other person, generally a man, which is what we often do. Only 9% of women think that they would be better investors than men. And yet when we do invest, we outperform them. 
So take responsibility for yourself. You do not want to be the woman who, when she's facing a divorce or the sudden death of her husband, all of a sudden realizes she has no idea about anything related to her money. So I think that's very important. And then the third thing I would say is you do not have to do this alone. Find friends. So invest and learn with other women. And Delray, you mentioned the course that we offer, which is really an opportunity through an organization called Invest for Better, a nonprofit that I co-founded with another woman. We bring women together in the equivalent of investment clubs, and we help them learn this information together. So this does not have to be a solo journey, and it can actually be fun. Powerful. Why do you feel that women have avoided financial literacy? I think we are very fearful about it. And it's not surprising. I mean, we are taught to save. So about 63, 65% of articles that are written for women about money tell us to save our money. Another significant proportion of them tell us that investing is scary and difficult. And yet, 73% of articles written for men tell them how to grow their wealth and and invest. So we are being taught by our culture that we're not good at this. We're taught that we don't know math um, and that we shouldn't get involved in finance. It wasn't until 1974, by the way, that we could open a bank account on our own without a man signing. So it's not surprising that we don't know this stuff. We're not taught. So we're really afraid. And I think the thing to really understand is you don't need to be afraid. A friend of mine said, she's a financial advisor, she said, if you understand basic math, you can do this kind of investing. So there's a lot of fear. I think we're also sometimes looking for quick solutions. I mean, we want to know everything. We want to do everything. We, are, we love to you know, dot every I and cross every T. And what I would say is investing is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's something that you start and you learn and you build your knowledge and confidence over time. So have patience with this process. Learn, keep learning, look at your money, see what's working, see what's not working, and just add this to sort of part of what you do in in your life. And then I think the other thing to really think about is I think we consider this a burden. It's like another thing to put on the to-do list. And it doesn't have to be that either. It can actually be fun. And I think part of what makes it fun is when we start to understand what our money is actually doing in the world, right? And we begin to realize that it's doing really great things, that it is uplifting other women, that it is supporting people in our local communities, that it is moving us away from uh, environmental destruction to environmental sustainability, that we are you know, not supporting the things that we march against. It, it really matters. And the other thing I want to say is that this is really, really important for women and really important for us to get because by 2030, McKinsey and Company says that we will own control the majority of money in this country, women. So we are gaining more control of money through our own earning power through the fact that men are dying and leaving money to us and through the inheritance from our fa- our parents. So we are getting control of more money. Power goes where money flows. We don't understand the collective power we have with our money 
to create a just and sustainable economy. We can. Each of our dollars matter. As each of us start to move more of our money into the things that we care about, we collectively can literally change the economy and the economic model to something that is more aligned with who we are. Yes, Janine, I'm ready. (laughs) Thank you. So powerful. Um, And studies have shown that women have different investment preferences compared to men. So women may prioritize socially responsible or impact investing which focuses on investing in companies with positive environmental, social, and governance practices, also known as ESG. And we talked about values-aligned investing and becoming a values-aligned investor. What would be your basic first steps for a woman that's listening that says, yes, I believe in a more just, fair, and equitable world. I want to put my money in places that create that. Uh, What are some of their first steps to get started? Well, of course, I'm going to say read my book, um, Activate Your Money. But I think, and, and one of the things that's in the book, and I think this is really an important first step, is understand what your values are. What is it that you want to prioritize? So, for example, you could say, I really want to prioritize uplifting women and girls. I want to invest with a gender lens. Or you may say, I am really wanting to put my money behind climate change and ensuring that we have a sustainable planet, or I want to invest in racial justice. Whatever your thing is, four things, figure that out. And there's actually a great tool to use called the Sustainable Development Goals, which are 17 goals that were established by 192 countries as a set of objectives to achieve by 2030. And governments and um, companies and individuals around the world are working toward these goals. And they are things like gender equity and um, sustainable cities and um, clean water. And so you can use those sustainable development goals and be part of a movement of people that are trying to solve a lot of problems that we're facing today. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing that I would say is just start with one thing. Pick a particular investment that you currently have that you realize is doing really bad things in the world and shift that investment to something else. And that's particularly good to do in a retirement fund that you have because you won't face any tax consequences when you move money in a retirement fund. Or decide that you're going to bank, not at one of the big banks that are underwriting the coal and oil industry, and and the gun industry and prison complex, but at a bank that's actually supporting women in your community or at a bank that is supporting indigenous populations or a bank that is supporting agriculture or a bank that is supporting clean energy. There are banks that do all of those things. So you have choices there. Or decide, you know what, I'm not going to touch the money that I've already invested because it's got too many capital gains or because I don't want to do that for whatever reason. Then make a decision to start investing the next pots of money because you should be putting money into your investments on a regular ongoing basis. Find an investment vehicle that matches your values for your new pots of money. So there are many ways that you can get started, but just start with one thing. It's powerful. I shared a, uh, your book with one of my really close friends who grew up in a culture very um, similar to me. She grew up 20 miles from where I grew up and 
you know, cultural narrative was some of the things that you mentioned in regards to women, but also a scarcity mindset. And we're going to talk about wealth consciousness and the importance of really uh, tackling some of those limiting beliefs that we may have adopted in childhood or that have been shaped, like you said, by society and culture. Um, and she said that your book was so powerful because it really helped her create a new relationship with money and take really basic action steps to simply get started. And when we know the science behind habits, it, when we have positive reinforcement and we feel good about our first basic steps, we desire to do more and dig a little deeper. And in the course for Invest for Better, one of the most powerful um, cor course studies that I did was around finding a values aligned financial advisor. Mm. And that was also really powerful because it's a basic first step. And in any relationship to feel valued, seen and heard for what you desire to align your money with the goods you want to see in the world, sometimes that's not always met with positive reinforcement. So that was also a really helpful, basic first step to just start. So grateful for both of those resources, because I really think it helps people have a blueprint and literally take action instead of being paralyzed by fear with so much knowledge and not knowing what to do. Um, what challenges or misconceptions do you believe people commonly face when it comes to investing and how would you address them? So I think one of the things is that it's hard. And I sort of said this before, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's so important. So I think women in particular think, oh, this is hard. It's complex. I can't learn it. It's going to take a lot of time. It isn't hard. It is not hard. It is a learning curve, but it isn't hard to learn. And it feels so great when you shift to a place where you actually know that you have control and knowledge over your money. It is truly transformative to go from a situation where you're scrambling all the time or you don't feel safe or you don't feel like you know what you're doing. Um, having that knowledge is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Another thing that happens, and I, I alluded to this earlier, is that we are taught to save as women. And we do that. We do that really well. We save more money than men. In fact, according to Elvest, we, which is an online um, investment platform for women, we save 71 cents on the dollar, but we save it in cash. So what that means is that as we sit in inflationary times, the money that we have in cash is not actually got the same earning potential. It is not keeping up with inflation. So we are actually losing money in real terms. We think about and fear the idea of putting our money into investment that will go down. But we don't understand that just leaving our money in cash is also an opportunity cost. So I think that's really important. And the other thing that I think is a big, big issue is inertia. So it's just hard to get started right? We've got so many things on our plates as women. It's like, oh my God, where am I going to find the time for that? To add that as well. So the inertia is an issue. And that's why I really recommend um, doing this with other women. I mean, I've been in three investment clubs in my own life, and I can't tell you how much I learned from them. I learned more from them and took more action as a result um, than I did when I was on my own. And I love what you said about the financial advisor, right? For those of us who are ready for that, 
having a financial advisor can really, really be helpful. The problem is that a lot of us end up with financial advisors who treat us like we don't know what we're doing. They make us feel inferior. They use this big language with us that we don't understand. We're afraid to ask questions. If we, I've had women tell me they go into a financial, they're the breadwinner in the family. They go to speak with their financial advisor, with their male partner, and the advisor talks to the man, not even to the woman. He ignores the woman. So we've had not the relationships with financial advisors that we deserve. And the good news is, as you've alluded to, there are financial advisors out there who will listen to us and who will not only listen, not listen to us, but they will also help us achieve our goals financially as well as socially. Powerful. We shared that the foundation of your relationship with money is essential. We have so many limiting belief systems as women around money and talking about our money mindset, our financial blueprint, wealth consciousness, all of these are very similar concepts to really how you feel your relationship with money has not only developed subconsciously from mm -hmm. belief systems we were given, but what your actual relationship is it with it is now consciously. Can you share a, a little bit about your perspective on that and how you started to develop a healthy wealth consciousness? That's a really interesting question. So it's a journey too. Um, I will tell you that I had bag lady syndrome into my late 50s, quite honestly. And it was only when I took control of my own money again that I started to realize, you know what, I'm okay. I have enough to get me through what I need to get through. And I started to build real confidence around money. Um, I also think part of my confidence came from the fact that I was really fortunate in that I had a mother who taught me about money from pretty early age. And she did it by example. She was just super, super open about where she stood financially. She told us when she was doing well. She told us when she was doing badly. She told us when she made a smart investment decision and how excited she was. She told us when she screwed up and made a mistake. And I just want to remind listeners, you will. So just get over it. You are going to make mistakes when you invest and the markets will go down. It's okay. It's okay. You hang in for the long-term and over the long-term, the markets will be your friend and it's okay when you make mistakes. Um, so I was really lucky in that regard. And part of what I really want to see is that as women, we are the last generations who are raised without money consciousness and money awareness and that we learn enough to not only help ourselves, but to help our daughters. So I think that's a really important part of this too. Let's, let's make sure our daughters grow up feeling confident around money, understand that you can have an attitude of abundance. I think it's important to partner that with pragmatism. So you want to be sure that you believe in yourself, you believe in your ability to grow your wealth, you do the right things, and you learn you make prudent decisions and you march forward and you realize it's a long-term game. 
That's wonderful. It reinforces what I am trying to intentionally do with my daughters. I share all the highs and lows. I had a really big loss in an investment that with a friend that I trusted and I shared all of it with them. Um, how I felt about that. I felt embarrassed. I felt shameful. I felt like now I was going to be backtracking for our goals as a family, but it was also very honest and it showed them that there are going to be those challenging times, but I have a long-term vision. And I, I think sometimes it gets challenging for me to see a world and society that's really shaping consumerism, at, especially at a level that I never thought possible with the influence of social media, with the influence of marketing in general, with us being the product, you know, I've asked myself, is it possible to create, you know, an investment opportunity and make that something that young women look at um, and look at the long-term game? Are we so focused on trying to keep up and trying to feel enough because of how society has poked holes in our self-confidence, self-esteem and self-worth that we need to consume in order to, to and consume more in, in order to feel validated. And I want your message to resonate so much with mine. And let's change that. Let's really show young women what it means to compound their money long-term and create these small habits that can accumulate with time. And that relationship of addressing some of those limiting beliefs is also, I think, relevant in talking about how society does shape us and, and what we do consume. And is that you know, short-term gain worth the long-term cost of what our lives can look like with a sense of financial um, security, you know, and that's what I wanted eight and a half years ago when I was really struggling was a sense of security that it would be okay if life threw unexpected events my way. In fact, I don't know the exact statistic, but I know more than half of our population does not have $400 for an emergency fund. And that to me is just how often we live in that place of overwhelm and fear and anxiousness when in fact we could take these just simple small steps to give ourselves more of a foundation. And now there's so many opportunities to earn extra, but who is teaching us what to do with it when we do earn it? Right. You're right. And you know, those are, those are two very different issues. So part of the work I did in international development, that second career I had, I worked in the area of microfinance, which was providing very poor women with access to loans to help them build tiny businesses and to bring themselves out of poverty, right? So there is something very real about people who are just struggling to survive and, and make it day to day. And, you know, I was in that situation once too. I was in a situation when I was young where I didn't have money and I had, I had been taught to save, and I did. Um, I saved. I always had the most, one of the most important things I ever did for myself, I think, was always have about a year's worth of my run rate in cash. Um, and I did that because it gave me, so that was my first goal. It's like, I want that much money put aside just in cash. So I'm going to do that before I start investing. And um, I did that because it gave me so much freedom and flexibility. If I was in a job that I hated, I could leave and I'd have the cash. If I wanted to go travel, I could do it. 
if whatever the circumstances that came up, I knew that I wasn't beholden to somebody else to have to do things I didn't want to do. So I gave, I gave up things. I didn't buy everything. I mean, I think what you're saying about this push, push, push to consumerism, it's such an important part of our, our economy and we constantly have to buy, buy, buy. And, you know, you look at the fashion industry and what they push on us, and then we're buying all of this clothing that just we're not supposed to wear very much, and it's creating environmental problems. It's nuts. It's nuts. And we do not have to buy into any of it. We don't have to believe any of it. I mean, when I was younger, when I was young, like when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, we were told that women... We're done at the age of 30. We were done. Our beauty was on a decline. We were not empowered anymore. We were done, right? You could not wear a bikini once you were over 30. I mean, my God, are you kidding? Putting a bikini on a 31-year-old body? No way. I mean, that's the nonsense that we were taught. And we bought into it, right? We don't buy into that stuff anymore. Well, we don't have to buy into this either. And I think it's um, incumbent upon all of us to make our own decisions, to see our own realities and to build our own lives the way we want them to be. We have that freedom. Absolutely. What advice, lastly, would you give your younger self? Um, so what I would give my the advice, one of the things I wish that I had done when I was young is used retirement funds more. They're really a great tool. So if you um, are, for women who have a company or work for a company and have a 401k plan and get a match from their, max out your match, <laughs> max it out and um, Really understand the power and potential of retirement funds and also understand their limits. So they can be very valuable, but you also don't want to put all your money into retirement funds because you can't get access to it until you're over 70 now. And you're going to probably want that money for some things. So um, understand that. The other thing is get to know a little bit about Roth IRAs. They are a really powerful vehicle, particularly for younger women or for people who are not earning as much. They're at a, an earlier point in their earning potential because when you put money in retirement funds, for the most part, you're doing it um, before the money is taxed and that's a benefit to you. But you're taxed when the money comes out. With a Roth, you're putting money in after it's already been taxed. But once it goes in, you're not taxed again. And here's the thing. You're not taxed again, not only on the money you put in, you're not taxed on any of the gains. So if you start putting money into a Roth in your 20s and that money grows, I mean, I have an account that I invested in probably in my late 20s, early 30s. It's in a taxable account, unfortunately. It has 95% of the value of that fund is gains. So when I sell that, I will pay 30% of that fund in taxes, 30 to 40% of that fund in taxes, right, will go to the government. If that had been in a Roth, that would be all mine, tax-free. So 
I really recommend learning about those tools and using them to your advantage. And the other thing is, one of the things that really worked for me um, is I invested in real estate starting at an early age. And that has now, that's become a source of income for me now in my retirement. So I, I'm a big believer in that, particularly in certain markets. Do you have other investments, just real quick, that you could mention and define that you feel are, and again, you're not a financial advisor, you're not giving advice, but just almost a definition of some that really have withstood the test of time. Like you said, those ups and downs of the market, a lot of the insecurity that people face during challenging um, cycles in our economy as well as our world. Mm -hmm. Just the definition Mm -hmm. of a few. I'm thinking off the top of my head, treasury bonds, you know, other things that maybe our listeners aren't really aware of or have any idea what they are. Well, I've invested a lot in the stock market. I've invested in bonds and I use bonds as a, um, so first there's my cash, right? So my Mm -hmm. cash is currently in two financial institutions that are in my local community and it supports, it provides loans to female entrepreneurs and to underserved populations. So that's my cash. I've got money in the bond market and I do that as a hedge because usually when the stock market goes down, the bond market is going up. So they are counter to each other. That hasn't been true in the last year or so, which is very unusual, but bonds are more secure vehicle. And so that's money you put there um, to get you through those ups and downs in case you need money in a, in a down market, you could pull out of the bond market and you won't have as great a loss. I put a significant portion of my capital into the stock market and I just held on to it for a long time. So I mentioned the one vehicle that has a 95% gain. Other pieces of my money have 50, 60% more of gain. I've been helping holding that stuff for decades So that has really performed well for me as well. And then um, about six or seven years ago, I started getting involved in angel investing and investing in small businesses that are not publicly traded, but that are privately held. And I support female entrepreneurs. And so for those women who have the capital, doing this kind of investing is really important thing to know about and to consider because... Of all the venture capital money that was invested in 2022, 2% of it went to female entrepreneurs. 2%. And if you're a woman of color, forget it. It's like under a percent. It's like so small, it's ridiculous. So the whole venture world that we hear about is a white male game. And... The thing is that women entrepreneurs are out there doing kick-ass cool stuff that benefits us and our kids. You know, there are companies now that are working on things like menopause and vaginal dryness and, you know, things that have been issues for us as women that nobody talks about, nobody does anything about. And now women are starting, there's, there's stuff that's being developed for women during their childbearing years or during their pregnancy or clothing or things that are really built by women and intended for women. And it's important for us to support those products and services and those female entrepreneurs. 
Exceptional, thank you. That was a really great segue for our last question, which is, do you have any last words of wisdom? I mean, for me, that inspires me. It motivates me. It makes me get into action every single day to know that I can be a role model and really show women that, you know, with the right intention, you can really create and solve the problems in the world that I know are weighing very heavily on us. For me, I sometimes ask myself, even the past couple of days, how do I share an empowering message when all I think about is if my daughter are going to be safe going to school? Mm-hmm. And I never thought that this would be the world that we live in, that you pull up to the wrong driveway or the wrong home and you can die from gun violence. You know, that is weighing so heavily on me right now. And as we have gone through the pandemic, I'm in Minneapolis, the murder of George Floyd to our political divide. It feels sometimes that the weight of the world is so heavy to even feel like you're making a difference. But these are the conversations that I feel are so empowering to know that we always have a choice to get into action and to be able to role model the world that we want to see. And like you said, with what's around the corner and the purchasing power that we do have or what we have in our hands for the power of the world that we want to see, if more of us collectively believe that together, I truly believe we can start to see the change. I 100% see it. And I think we've already seen it, right? So you're talking about some really heavy, heavy problems, right? But we had the Me Too movement. It created change. That was women rising up and saying, no more. We are not your vessels for whatever the hell you want to do to us. No more. That is over. We are done with that story. We have had Black Lives Matter that stood up and said, you, America, need to pay attention to what has been going on in this country and we haven't been addressing head on forever. And we're seeing these stories, right? 20 years ago, the stories about the two incredibly horrible killings that just happened or shootings that just happened wouldn't have even necessarily made it to the newspapers. Now they are there, right? And so collectively, the power that we have is incredible. And when you think about your money, If you're invested and you're not paying attention, I 100% guarantee you, you are invested in supporting the oil and gas industry. You are invested in guns. You are invested in in, in, um, weapons. You are invested in deforestation, which is a huge issue with climate change. We want to reforest, not deforest. I guarantee you, you are invested in the things that are helping to continue the status quo. And this kind of investing has made enormous change. And the thing to recognize that I think is really important is part of the earliest innovators in this space were women. Women. And the other earliest innovators in this space were people of religious values. So the very first form of quote-unquote values-aligned investing in this country happened in the 1700s. The Quakers said our members will not benefit from the slave trade. In the 60s, we saw divestment out of South Africa to help stop apartheid. It mattered. There was divestment and consideration about investing around the Vietnam War. It had an impact. It's having an impact now as well. And so each of us feels so little 
And like, we don't matter. We do. And when you put us together, we are a powerful, powerful force. Never underestimate the power of women when they do things together. Thank you, Janine. So grateful for you, for your message, for your wisdom that you now have in available resources. I will include all the links in the show notes uh, for women to be a part of what you are doing. And if there are any of you out there that want, you know, that collective group to make investing fun, that is what I am trying to do and trying to create. Um, Janine and I are looking at a live event sometime in the fall, so we will also keep you posted on that. And we're going to create a movement, just like you said. Movements have been done before, and we'll do it again. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Well, that concludes another episode of Well-Spoken Podcast. Remember, stay open, curious, and think abundantly to co-create a better future together.